Welcome to this episode of Miss Law Explains Things. Welcome back to the second episode of 2020 of Miss Law Explains Things. Okay, so I'm back with another episode, right, which centers around the coronavirus. But right now, what I'm going to be focusing on for today is the effect of uh, this particular coronavirus on tourism. Right, so tourism is actually the market for a service. What we've been learning so far in lessons, right, uh, when you've been actually kind of exposed, right, firsthand to the ideas of demand and supply are mainly markets for goods, right? So basically products, things that we actually use, you know, in our daily lives. Example, cars, we have various agricultural products, you know, we're familiar with uh, with palm oil, uh, you know, durians, etc. But I would also like to think about this very important industry, right, uh, which generates actually a lot of jobs, right, uh, and economic growth. It's important to a lot of countries, which is actually the global travel industry. So I'm looking at a particular CNN article that actually is titled, The Coronavirus Has Grounded Chinese Tourists and the Global Travel Industry May Not Recover for Years. Okay. So just actually kind of jumping in straight into the article, uh, the article starts by saying that countries around the world have been eager to cash in on the rising spending power of Chinese travellers, right? And how I would view this is that actually there's been increasing affluence, right? And uh, respectively, the income levels of a lot of uh, Chinese tourists, right? So they actually do uh, demand a lot uh, in terms of tourism, right? And this actually has a very positive uh, knock-on effect, an indirect effect on a lot of countries which actually receive Chinese tourists, right? So we actually see that um, Chinese tourists are headed to a lot of different countries, right, around the world. And they also demand a lot of the goods and services that are over there. So the idea of rising spending power or income can be linked to one of the P-type factors that you might have learned just actually today, which is that of income levels. Right, I want to expand this point just a little bit more right, to talk about the idea of income elasticity of demand. Right, so if we view tourism right as a normal good right, and uh, to some degree a luxury because you know, we do not actually need uh, you know, tourism to survive you know, or to sort of you get today our day-to-day living actually we realize that for a given increase in income levels there's a more than proportionate increase uh, in the demand for tourism okay so the rest of the article right as it goes along talks about how a lot of uh, different retailers and hotels for example are becoming more receptive towards uh, for example china's alipay and wechat pay apps right because they have uh, specific payment systems right that might be different from the rest of the world, right? So, for example, the rest of the world, sometimes we use Apple Pay, Google Pay, Samsung Pay. But, you know, in China, there's also Alipay and WeChat Pay apps, which are specifically designed for this purpose, okay? But unfortunately, they said that the travel boom, right? And we can interpret the word boom in actually a few different ways. We could think about, you know, the number of tourist arrivals, right? So, for example, it's very similar to passenger arrivals for air travel, right? They're actually very... Um, closely linked right basically air travel and the tourism industry because to a large degree a lot of tourism actually occurs as a result of the air travel connections that we have between different countries so people actually flying you know in planes from one place to another to visit them and in order to you know see all of the various you know tourist attractions in the country so the article says that the travel boom has come to a screeching halt okay because of this uh, novel coronavirus outbreak Right, and that it could be years before this tourism industry recovers. 
Right, so I'm going to be actually looking at some of these underlying demand and supply factors and we're going to think about, you know, what may be some of the more important or more significant ones. So the article says that to contain the virus, a lot of these um, Chinese tourists are now hunkering down. A lot of flights have been cancelled and a lot of countries have been imposing restrictions. So we know that there are many factors that are actually reducing the demand for tourism. Right, so basically, people are not going on vacations or holidays anymore, right? Because they actually feel very fearful, right? And they are very concerned about the risk of uh, transmission. Okay, so the article goes on to say that the knock-on effects of this foreign demand have been felt around the globe. Okay, so for example, tour groups and cruise lines, you realize that actually have been one of the reasons for the transmission of the virus because, you know, of uh, a lot of people actually gathering in one area. They are now cancelling trips because of plummeting demand. Right, so actually they were going to actually provide all of these trips, but now because of falling demand, right, actually all of these, you know, service providers like the tour groups and cruise lines are actually responding accordingly. They're thinking, hey, uh, you know, there's actually going to be like a, a sort of like surplus, right, to a certain extent. Think about it, there's going to be like a surplus at, you know, the prevailing price level and we might as well actually also reduce supply to eliminate that surplus. So just uh, recently this week, I was talking about the price mechanism. Right, so in this case, because of plummeting demand, there might be a surplus and therefore the tour groups and cruise lines might reduce supply in conjunction in order to eliminate the surplus. So I want you to think about, right, draw it for yourself right now. You know, a demand and supply diagram, right, with an initial equilibrium price and quantity. And then after that, you should illustrate a leftward shift of the demand curve. So I want you to actually really draw it right now. Right? Take out a piece of paper and draw it. Okay, you will actually be able to see that at the original price level, there's actually a surplus because now the quantity supplied exceeds the quantity demanded, right? And then what I want you to do is now also to shift the supply curve to the left such that now, right, the surplus is now eliminated, right? And basically, you do not have this issue anymore, okay? So, very interestingly, I think, you know, this entire discussion about the foreign demand is that it has actually caused a lot of effects on many other countries, right? And many other related industries. So I want to actually use this article in a sense to introduce you to this idea of related goods. Okay? I want to introduce you to this idea of related goods and therefore also this particular elasticity concept known as cross-elasticity of demand. So cross-elasticity of demand, right, basically measures the responsiveness between, right, the quantity demanded of good A, right, and the change in price of another good. So now we realize that because of plummeting demand, right, maybe this might also affect other related goods which might be viewed as either substitutes or complements. Okay, so for example, international fairs, conferences, tour groups, cruise lines, those are technically all complements of, you know, the, they're kind of like uh, related industries, right, in a sense. And what is a related industry also to tr uh, all of these tourism sectors? It is also actually the air travel industry, right? They are complements, right? Because right, in order for you to be able to go to another country, you know, to enjoy uh, a holiday there, right, not only do you actually have to, you know, engage tourism services, you also have to buy the air ticket. So they are complements. You need to jointly demand them in order to derive utility or satisfaction, right? Uh, very similarly, another related industry that this article mentions is that hotels that are usually teeming with a lot of Chinese tourists are also empty. So they are also negatively affected, right, because 
they are actually complementary to actually other tourism services. So tourism actually, in a sense, is uh, quite a broad category, right? Under that, we actually have all the, the various services, like, you know, having a tour group, you know, engaging a local tour guide, having to have some sort of accommodation, you know, kind of like spending at all of the food and beverage, you know, establishments in this, uh, you know, country that you're going to, right? And... This is actually a very important discussion because in recent years, the number of Chinese tourists actually has skyrocketed and more than 180 million Chinese now have passports. And that actually even surpasses the number of American passport holders. Okay? And they said when Chinese travel abroad, they also spend a lot of money. Right? So it actually contributes to a lot of countries' economic growth. Right? And they have spent actually a whopping $277 billion in their travels abroad. Right. And around Asia, the influx of these Chinese travellers has been actually a very big benefit for them. So actually, top 10 destinations for mainland Chinese travellers were actually a lot uh, in Asia. Right. So actually, as a result of that, right, the unintended consequence of this is that a lot of places uh, like Thailand, Japan, South Korea, ETC, if you've probably been reading in the news, have a lot to lose from this crippling viral outbreak because it's suddenly this really steep fall in demand from um, Chinese tourists. Okay? So they're going to suffer a lot. And China was actually named as the single largest outbound travel market in the world because of their expenditure on tourism. Right, the expenditure on tourism is so much, right, that it is such a significant impact on some of these economies. Okay. Unfortunately, because of the coronavirus now, actually a lot of these um departures have fallen. Right. And and if this outbreak actually lasts longer, right, it can wipe out as much as seventy three billion dollars in spending. Okay. So there are many different countries that have been negatively affected by this crisis. Okay. And we realize that this is also affecting a lot of firms, right? So we can not only look at this entire issue, right, as like, oh, it's a demand and supply problem, but also kind of think about, you know, what is the impact of a particular event on many different groups of people, right? Whether it's uh, consumers, right? Whether it's producers or the people who are actually providing travel services, right? And even governments, because they're concerned with things like, you know, uh, economic growth so if my economy is really reliant on tourism and suddenly wow you know something like this uh, virus outbreak actually occurs what is actually going to happen to a lot of people who are employed in these key sectors i would be concerned right and i also want to actually emphasize that different countries might be uh, affected differently depending you know on their dependence on tourism you know whether they have other industry whether they have uh, other sectors that they can depend on or whether you know tourism is that only sector okay so they've been talking for example about trip.com right china's largest online travel platform and how actually um they have also been very negatively affected right and the related industries that this article also discusses is hotels and airlines so they've said for example that a lot of um, hotels for example the Marriott said that it was experiencing very low occupancy basically nobody are, nobody is staying in the hotel lab. so the quantity of like you know hotel accommodation services is also falling right and a lot of even for example the casinos and the world's top gambling hubs in Macau also have had to close their casinos and think about you know the the, the fallout from this right they're going to every time every day that they are closed right they actually run a lot of losses because they're actually kind of incurring fixed costs already 
and a lot of different markets actually have been seeing um, declining revenue right, uh, in these markets, for example, in South Korea and Italy as well. So a lot uh, of people are actually demanding less of hotel services as well as a result of uh, the virus. Right, so the article also talks about um, the second related industry that I would like to focus on, which is actually the global airline industry, right, which is actually very closely related. It's a complement to tourism and it is facing like huge financial losses and its first traffic declined in more than a decade because of the coronavirus. Okay? So the International Air Transport Authority, which is actually a very important authority when it comes to air travel, warned us last week that the impact on the demand for air travel could cost airlines more than $29 billion, and it's going to reduce global traffic by 4.7%. And this is the first overall decline in demand since that global financial crisis like about 12 years ago, 2008. And that tells you how serious and how severe this fall in the demand for air travel is. It is so significant, right, that they even have a picture in this article that shows a largely empty Hong Kong International Airport, when I'm sure that if we've all been there before, we've seen, like, so many people, you know, walking around the airport, but now they're, like, largely empty and close to nobody, right? Dozens of international carriers, if you've read the news, have cancelled or reduced services, okay? And so many different airlines, right, has, you know, have actually suffered so much losses, because of this particular outbreak. The other industry that's in crisis as well is the cruise industry. I'm sure you've read about, for example, the Diamond Princess ship, right? And uh, it became a floating quarantine zone, right, because of the outbreak. And, you know, they said that China could be closed to cruise travel for a year or more. Uh, and even since it, once it reopens, many people still have a very negative association with cruise travel. And you realize that it's very difficult to change people's psychology. Because people were saying, oh my goodness, if I go on a cruise ship, right, I'm going to have like a higher likelihood of, you know, getting some sort of disease. And it's very hard to change people's mindset. So actually, effectively, this is like, you know, like a nail in the coffin for the cruise industry until it can actually turn the tide and change people's perceptions. Interestingly, China was actually the second largest market for cruise ship passengers. With actually nearly 2.4 million Chinese sailing that year. Right, but can you think about it now? Because of the steep fall in demand, this is going to really affect uh, the cruise ship industry as well. Okay, so even within actually China, they've said that domestic Chinese travel has also suffered. For example, it hit this entire outbreak actually hit during the critical Lunar New Year holiday when a lot of millions of Chinese were traveling home. And now, as a result of this uh, virus outbreak, the domestic trips has also fallen by a lot. So think about the transport providers, right, that actually provide uh, domestic travel, for example, the train systems, you know, and, uh, you know, the sort of even the domestic inbound flights that occur. All of that is going to be very negatively affected. People are not going to be staying in any sort of residences or, or hotels, and Chinese airlines have also been hard hit. So the other entire article says that the recovery of the tourism industry could take years, right? Because the effect on demand has been so severe, right, that it is very hard to reverse, at least in the short run. Okay, so they said that even in previous times, you know, it has not been as serious, but right now, full recovery is going to take. Uh, very very long and they said that you know they project that it will not fully recover until about 2023 so think about it what has happened in the past month or so has caused such you know significant damage to so many interrelated industries right and i wanted to think about you know at the end of this entire discussion right you know in terms of demand and supply factors right uh what you know 
do you think that um, also you can actually comment about, uh, for example, elasticity, right? I would like to actually kind of look a little bit more into elasticity concepts in my next episode, right? And we'll be looking at, you know, a few related markets, right? And I'll be highlighting how we can also consider how we might want to apply elasticity, okay? Thank you and I'll see you in next week's episode.